Amen. Yes and amen. Praise God. Oh, that's good. <laughs> that's good. Uh, children's can be dismissed. Oh, look, they're already at the door. They're ready to go. Ooh. All right. Go forth. Um, good morning, everybody. Well, it's really good to be back. Gary and I have been away for two weeks, and we really missed you all. And he's still away, but he'll be back. <laughs> so I'm glad to be here this morning and uh, honored to get to share a little of the word with you while Pastor Tim and Pastor Melody are away. So uh, this morning, I have to adjust my thinking here because I'm used to my iPad, and I'm like, what am I looking at? Where's my Zoom feature? It's not here. Uh, this morning, I wanted to talk a little bit about the roots of our Christian life, our spiritual roots. And roots are not the most glamorous of topics that we have available to us in our Christian walk with the Lord. Uh, they're kind of mundane. We don't really see or think about roots very often. They're just kind of doing their thing under the ground there. But what I want to talk about today is that, in fact, it is those secret things, those hidden things, those things that we do not see with our eyes that are actually the most impactful and profound to us in our relationship with God. This is what's interesting to me. The word root actually appears at least 110 times in Scripture between the Old and the New Testament. And I thought we'd start today by going through every one of those 110 Scripture passages. So, I think we have time. I can read really fast. <laughs> we won't do that. Uh, but it's good to think about how something so small must be sort of important to God if it shows up so many times in his word. Because we know there are no mistakes in the word of God, right? Every single thing is intentional. It has a purpose and a reason. The Greek word for root is ridza, and it translate as, translates as root, as you'd expect, but also source. And I think that word source is something that's really important to keep in mind today as we're talking about who we are and whose we are, that our roots in the Word of God, our roots in Jesus Christ, are also our source. That's really transformative because every living thing has a source. Who or what we're drawing from as our source or our root is what's going to determine the course of our life, our fruit, right? So what are we drawing from? Are we drawing from the world people, family, jobs, or are we drawing from God? And of course, God's clear on who our source really is and who our source should be. Jesus said, if we look over in John chapter 15, starting in verse 4, he said, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing, nothing. Sorry, Jeremy, is that my hair <laughs> crackling? One moment. <laughs> Pause for technical adjustment. Thank you. So... We're not our own source, and our family, our friends, our jobs, our money, uh, all those things are not our source, are they? God is our only source. And when we're born again, 
Scripture says we are new creatures in Christ Jesus. New creatures. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. We are adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. So we not only are new on the inside, we don't only have the word of God, Jesus Christ, the living God, the Holy Spirit living and dwelling on the inside of us, but we've inherited a whole new lineage, a holy lineage. Now, I've always been kind of interested in genealogy. You know, what are my roots? And we can trace our family roots back pretty far. It turns out we're mutts. Like most Americans, we come from a lot of different places. There's nothing super special in our family tree, but it's interesting. And it tells you maybe a little bit about some of the natural things you notice in family, um, in some of the traditions they have or things like that. But that lineage pales in comparison to the lineage that we have now that belongs to us as sons and daughters of a king. This changes everything. We're no longer stuck to be affected by the lineage we inherited from our families. We've stepped into a whole new way of life. We have a whole new identity. Now, Jesus said we should abide in our source, right? Abide in the root, the vine. But how exactly do we abide? Abiding means to stay put, doesn't it? It means to be anchored. And to be rooted is to be anchored. So I want to look at two scriptures that talk a little more about that anchoring. Let's start in Colossians. This is Colossians chapter 2. And we'll start at verse 6. I can find it. Oh, I actually have it here. What am I looking for? Um, (laughs) Made it easy for myself. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. So as you've received Jesus Christ, how? By faith. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith. That's number one. Then we'll go over to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at, starting at verse 14, and Paul here is praying for the brothers and sisters in Galatia, or in Ephesia, and he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge and you may be filled up to all the fullness of God." So that is a really powerful prayer, and it's a powerful illustration to us of what it looks like to abide in the vine. As we go deeper into our relationship with him by faith, we can become more deeply rooted and built up in him and grounded in his love for us, and that is what allows us to be filled with him and to grow in our capacity to be filled with him. 
So his love actually becomes the source, doesn't it? It becomes the root on which our life is anchored. So how do we, in this world, (laughs) go about building strong roots that can withstand all the things that come against us? Well, let's take a look at Psalm 1, beginning of the Psalms. And Psalm 1, chapter 1, says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates by day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. So praise God, right? That's awesome. So delighting in the law of the Lord or the word of the Lord and meditating on it day and night, he will be like a tree firmly planted, rooted yeah, by streams of water. And that is, it sounds very, very similar to another scripture over in Jeremiah 17. So let's take a little look over in Jeremiah. Let's see if I... Jeremiah 17, we'll start at verse 7. And Jeremiah says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose trust is the Lord, for he will be, again, like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. Yeah, right? Amen. Praise God. So the word, putting ourselves in the word, filling ourselves with the word, building our trust in the Lord, right, by faith in his word, is what causes us to be rooted and planted like a tree. Like a tree what? Like a tree planted by water. And, you know, if you think about the part of the world that these scriptures are being written in, it becomes even more vital for a tree to be planted by the water, doesn't it? Water is not as easily available as it is around here where we live. So for a tree to find water, it means that it's guaranteed longevity of life and fruitfulness, isn't it? But this isn't just any kind of water for our purposes, is it? What's really happening here is a picture of living water. And what, I really, what really blew me away was when I looked up this passage in the Message Bible, and where it talks about you will be a tree, like a tree planted by the water, the message says you are a tree replanted in Eden. That's powerful. Because in Eden, there's what? No death. In Eden, there is continual supply, continual life. And that's what we've inherited That's the picture that's available to us when we receive that word and build our lives on it. That's just awesome. Jesus said about himself, living water, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst, but the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Water really is life, isn't it? It sustains all of nature. You know, we can go for something like two months without food. I've never tried that, and I don't plan to. But 
I don't think Gary wants me to either because if I go without lunch, I start to get a little bit like cranky. <laughs> but I could do it if I had to. Basically, my biology would allow me to survive for two months without food. But do you know you can only survive three days without water? Water is that vital that we can only go for a very short amount of time without it or we will die. And what Jesus is offering us is the ability to never be thirsty again. That's incredible. Because death's been taken away. Death's out of the picture. We have an eternal supply of living water. So we are rooted and grounded, not just in a little stream that might dry up in a drought season. No, no, no. We are rooted and grounded in the rivers of living water, the Holy Spirit flowing from the throne of God himself. They're never going to dry up. They're never going to fail. That's awesome. What a promise. And this is what standing on these promises, rooting ourselves in this word, is what allows us to bear fruit in our life, isn't it? And this isn't just temporary fruit. It's not fruit. I mean, you and I can sometimes be pretty good at bearing our own fruit, can't we? I've done it. We've all done it, I'm sure. Um, And it can look pretty good for a season. But it's just that, isn't it? It's a season. Because when a storm comes or drought comes or something comes against us, and we don't have that firm root and it's not drawing on something eternal, the fruit tends to dry up. It tends to wither. But the scriptures are so good. It says that the tree doesn't have to fear when the heat is applied. Praise God. That's so good. Its leaves will be always green. It will not be anxious in a year of drought. How many of you are realizing that there's a year of drought going on in this world right now? There's a lot happening in this world that we could get anxious about, but we don't need to be anxious about that because we have the victory. We've got an eternal source. And we, it says right here, will not cease to yield fruit. And the world needs our fruit, doesn't it? It really does. So we really need to be drawn Drawn on that well. Jesus also said that his words are spirit and they are life. And you know, that living water, that picture of the Holy Spirit in the Bible, those two things come together. The word that is both spirit and life, it's the water that we need to apply so that we can grow and establish our rooting, our grounding in him. Those roots are faith that allows us to weather every single storm. I was debating whether to talk about this because it's kind of a funny illustration, but we have a lot of big trees in our yard. And I had a guy out about a month ago to look at one of them because it needs trimming frequently or it will just grow beyond the yard's means to contain it. (laughs) And it's starting to grow over the roof and it's starting to grow into the power lines. And so every so often... They have to go up and trim it. And it's a massive tree. So, you know, I have like one of those little trimming poles and I've gone out to cut like little, and the tree laughs at me. It's like, (laughs) please. We got to get these guys with like harnesses and ropes and they're up in the tree and there's chainsaws and branches are falling and we end up with like a whole other tree by the time they're done trimming this one. The pile's so big. So it's quite a process. So I had him out to look at that and we were walking around. I was asking him about a couple other things and cicada damage from last year and that kind of stuff. And we walked by this shrubby thing. Now we've been in our house about three years and I've been watching this shrubby thing. 
And it started out as kind of just a little like, you know, hi, I'm here. And it's growing right against our neighbor's garage, which is about this far from our driveway. So it's coming up and it's kind of, I'm not thinking, eh, you know, well, it, then it got bigger. So now I've been trimming it back because it's starting to, we pull down the driveway and it hits the cars and I'm trimming it back. And this year I'm thinking, this shrub is really, like, it's happy. It's going to town. It's bigger than me now. But I still am thinking it's some kind of shrub and this surely is about the end of it, right? Because it doesn't look tree-like. It's like got branches all over it. Well, we walk by this thing and I'm not even thinking about it. And he looks at it and goes, you know, that's an elm tree, right? And I, no, I did not know that was an elm tree. That little shrubby thing is an elm tree. Oh, yeah, that's how they start out. Well, okay, so an elm tree is massive, right? Huge tree, beautiful tree. If that elm tree were anywhere else in our yard, it'd be thrilled because it'd be fabulous shade and it'd be, you know, nice environment for birds and animals. But this is not a good place for the elm tree. So the elm tree is going to have to go. But the thing I learned about elm trees that's really interesting and, and is actually relevant here <laughs> is that it has a very aggressive root system. Also why it has to go because it will destroy our driveway and the garage foundation and pretty much anything else that comes across its path. It's such a big tree, its root spread is massive, but it's fairly shallow. And the elm tree is uniquely designed to use those shallow roots to find water. So it doesn't go deep to find water, it spreads to find water. And it's even designed so that it can sense water inside a pipe, and it can seek it out, and it can crush and destroy <laughs> into your pipes. And when you have a pipe full of roots, you might have an elm tree. Or some other, there are a couple other trees that do that too, but it is so hygroscopic, it's so intent on finding water that it has been given the ability to literally drill into a pipe and locate it. That's incredible. I can't find the pipes underground. In fact, we've had leaks and the plumber can't find them, but that elm tree knows exactly where those pipes are and that's the other reason it has to go. But think about it for a minute. That's really how we need to be. We need to be so aggressive in going after living water, the Word of God, feeding on it, drawing on it, that I don't care what barriers are put up or come against us, we have victory. We break through. We're persistent. We keep on it. We keep after it. We have to continually be watering ourselves. Because what we don't see is actually the most important thing. For a tree, the root system is the most important thing. And if you ever look at, um, they have some really cool like x-ray, like kind of cutaway drawings of trees and their root systems. And what you'll find is the root system is actually bigger than what you see above ground. It has to be bigger because it's got to sustain and anchor everything above. Our root system has to be capable of sustaining the fruit that we've been called to produce in this life. It has to be big enough, deep enough, wide enough. Otherwise, when the wind blows, there goes the tree. And we don't want to be that tree. The other thing about the root system of plants is that the most activity happening in that plant is actually happening underground where we can't see it. 
And that's a, that's a pretty amazing statement because there's a lot happening above ground with most trees, isn't there? We can watch them through the seasons and they lose their leaves and they grow them back and they have seeds and they have flowers and some have fruit. There's a continual activity happening in the life of a tree throughout the year. But we actually know through studying these trees that there's even more happening underground. And if the roots aren't healthy, nothing that needs to happen above will be able to happen. So those roots are taking in food, they're taking in nutrients, they're the foundation for all the other processes that are part of the tree's life, and they're performing a lot of really, really important activity all through the year. Even when that tree looks dead and dormant and sound asleep in the wintertime, the roots are still working. The other thing that the roots do for the tree, and this kind of blew my mind, is did you know that the immune system of the tree is actually in the roots? That tree's defenses are in its root system. Think about that a minute. Where are your defenses? Also in your root system, aren't they? They're in Jesus. They're in what's operating and living on the inside of you. Now the tree has some other defenses, it has bark, and it has, some trees have you know, thorns, and there's all kinds of things that, that God's given those trees to defend them from different kinds of attacks. And we have that too. That's why the Bible says, put on the full armor of God. But ultimately, our immunity, our defense, comes from what we're drawing on and what we're rooted in. And man, if we could really get that and be operating in it every single day throughout the entire year of our lives, we would truly be unstoppable. Praise God. It's so good. So our root is in Christ. And as we grow in him, that root grows and it gets deeper and stronger, that root of faith. But sometimes other things are trying to crowd out those roots, aren't they? Let's turn to Matthew chapter 13. And we'll start in, well, we'll read the whole thing. We'll start in verse 3. This is the parable of the sower. Jesus spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate them up. Others fell in the rocky places where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up because they had no depth of soil. But when the sun had risen and they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Others fell among the thorns, and the thorns came up and choked them out. And others fell on good soil and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And now let's jump down to the explanation that Jesus gave when they all went home. Um, Verse 19 When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one on whom seed was sown beside the road. The one on whom seed was sown on the rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no firm root in himself. But, is only, but it is only temporary. And when affliction or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. 
And the one on whom seed was sown among the thorns, this is the man who hears the word, and the worry of the world, and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And the one on whom seed was sown on the good soil, this is the man who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and brings forth some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. So, Jeremy kind of touched on this, about the soil of our heart. We need to prepare the ground of our heart to receive what God is pouring into us, to receive the Word of God. I think, you know, this passage of Scripture, this parable really shows us that it's applying the Word over time. It's building our faith. It's revelation knowledge in the Word that gives us that sure foundation that will bear fruit. So pouring that in and rooting ourselves in it is what creates the action that we see. And all of this in our lives is a private, personal process, isn't it? I don't see the root building that you're doing, and you don't see what I'm doing. It's all happening underground. And yet again, this is the most important part of our life. The time that we spend building our faith, consuming the Word, meditating on it, drawing closer to God, building our relationship with Him affects everything else we will do and our ability to do it. So it's one of those truths of our life in Christ, isn't it, that is not the flashy, fancy, elegant, shiny things that really matter most in the kingdom of God. It's the humble things. It's the things that we put time into with our hearts. It's the time that we spend with Him. It's the things that we do in secret to build ourselves up, to grow, to strengthen ourselves that allow us to go out and do the things that the world sees and thinks are great. And they are great. The world needs us. The world needs our fruit, but the world needs us to spend the time underground developing our root system. Amen. I have another, I have another illustration, another plant illustration. So I spent many, many years working on uh, restoring old buildings. It was my job for many years. And I ran across a lot of plants in strange places. And when you get up on, like, a tower or a chimney stack or a roof and you find a garden growing there, you know that things are going to get interesting on this project because that's not supposed to be happening. So I remember a church building that I was working on one time, and it was a really pretty stone church building, and it had a massive tall bell tower. And we got up onto, we were on like a, one of those cherry picker, big boom lifts. We got up on the top of the tower, and here on the top of this tower was a little maple tree, just merrily growing and waving in the breeze. And we were all laughing and taking pictures of this tree because it's like, how did you get up here? <laughs> Probably a bird or the wind or something. But, you know, the mortar between the stones had started to crumble and turn to sand, and then a little dirt gets deposited on the breeze, and eventually there's enough depth of soil there that when a seed ends up and gets watered, it springs up. And this was in the early summer, and this little maple tree was really going to town. I mean, it had put out shoots and leaves, and it looked really healthy and happy. But we came back, maybe in September, 
And there had been a very hot, dry August, unusually hot and dry and some drought conditions. And when we went back to look at some tests that we had done on that tower, the little tree was dead. And it was the saddest little thing. But it's kind of a great illustration of what Jesus was talking about. If that little tree had had depth of soil, if we had taken it and put it in the soil in the ground and watered it and taken care of it, it would have been able to put out roots that were able to sustain it, wouldn't it? But where it was, it had no depth of soil. It was poor conditions. And there were too many things crowding those roots so that they couldn't take hold, they couldn't grow, and they couldn't sustain that tree. And so for the tree, that was the end of its adventure. For us, thank God, there's good news. And we are always able to put, to adjust where we're at. If we find that things have been crowding in on the Word of God and taking priority and precedence and pressing out the life that's in us, we only need to turn to Jesus to go back into his word and to start to expand his presence in our lives again. And as we grow in that, as he fills us more and more, all those other things, they get pushed aside. They get pushed out. They get crowded out by the truth of the word living in us. So praise God, there's hope for a tree. <laughs> and there's hope for us. Praise the Lord. Our roots are in Christ. And they're always in Christ. But we have to be aware that the world is, is kind of coming against that, isn't it? We have, to be, we have to be ready for that. That's why we have to constantly be renewing our minds and constantly be drawn on the word. And if we don't take the time to develop those roots of faith, it is easier for weeds and other things to get in. But we have the victory. And we don't need to be worried about them. We just have to be aware and we can stop and realize, I mean, I, I've done this. I'm sure many of us had. Oops, I, I've sort of had my attention on other things. And that's starting to kind of impact me and, and how I'm living. So I need to refocus, put down some good, solid, new roots of faith, water myself in the Word. And just like that, I'm redirected and I'm growing again. So what I want to just kind of leave us with today is to remember that it is the unseen part of our spiritual life that is actually the core of our spiritual life. It is the most important thing we will ever do. The root system is the determiner of the fruit that we will bear. The fruit is in the root. We've, most of us have probably even heard that saying. But building up our roots drawing on the living water of the word that's been given to us and lives and dwells in us is something that is a daily part of our life. It's not a once a season. We, we got to be feeding ourselves all the time. We can't live without water, right? We want the root of the word established in our heart, and as we begin to do that, we will see things that have taken precedence in the past begin to fade away and become less important. Jesus becomes larger, and those things grow smaller. And as we do that, we'll find that we're actually able to live in the fulfillment of the prayer that Paul prayed. I'm going to go back to that because it's good. 
back to Ephesians chapter 3, where he said, verse 17, So Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ, which surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's where we're headed, filled with all the fullness of God. And as we prepare our hearts, we feed, we build, we put down increasing roots of faith, we become bigger vessels able to contain more of God's fullness, more of what he wants to pour into our lives. And we're able to hold the things that he wants to get through us, aren't we, too? Because we each have a purpose here. We each have a plan for our lives, a path that God has set for us. We have things that only we can do and things that gifts that only we can bring to the world. We're unique. We're special. So it's critical. The world needs us. Not only do we need to live fulfilling, wonderful lives, but we have things we need to share, and it's really important. I guess I'll just close by saying that if you don't know Jesus, if you don't really have a sense of what it would be like to have Jesus living in your heart, and, or maybe you're thinking, I don't think I have a purpose for my life. I just want to say that you absolutely do. <laughs> he created each and every one of us, and he loves you dearly. You're so special to him because you're his unique creation. There's no one like you. And you're not so special that you got born without a purpose. That would be outside of his will for us. So if there's something in your heart that's tugging on you today, saying, I want to know what it would be like to have that kind of foundation, to be planted so that I could withstand the storms that come against us in life, I just want to encourage you to make a decision today to make Jesus your Lord, to receive him into your life, to start a new walk, a new journey with him. Why don't we all stand and we'll just close our eyes, bow our heads, and just put our focus on Jesus. The scripture tells us it's really easy to come into this family of Christ to start a new life with him and have him living and dwelling on the inside of you, to create a new foundation, to put down roots that never fail. All we have to do is, is confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. Believe that he is who he says he is and he did what he said he would do. He came for us each one of us. He came for you. And he laid down his life at the cross that you could have a new life so that you could know what it's like to live in the fullness of God. And he wants that for you. And so if you feel that call to him today, I just want to encourage you to make a decision 
make a decision to receive him into your life. And if you're somebody who has a relationship with the Lord, but maybe you've had that experience of things crowding it out, maybe it's gotten so crowded that you feel like I'm a long way off. Things have kind of fallen away from me in my relationship with God, and and I feel like I don't really know him anymore. Well, today is a great opportunity to come back home, to come back to him. He's waiting for you. He's longing for you. He just wants to have relationship with you. So this is your opportunity to take a step back to where you belong. And if that's you, if you'd, like to, if you'd like to make Jesus Lord today or you'd like to rededicate your life today, just slip up your hand. And if you're watching online, we've got a button you can click there or a link that you can click that'll take you. Um, well, it'll let us know that you raised your hand so that we can be praying for you. And you can put your hands down. And we're just going to pray together. We're con- going to confess together. So you can just pray after me. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for sending Jesus to rescue me. Father, I see that he is king. Father, I thank you that there is a way for me to have a new life in you. Lord Jesus, I ask you now to come into my heart to live and dwell there and to be Lord of my life. Thank you, Father, that you have made all things new starting today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you pray that prayer for the first time, congratulations. Welcome to the family of believers in Christ Jesus. Yes. And we would just love the opportunity to pray for you and to give you some information that will help you a little bit on your journey as you start to realize that you have a new lineage, that you're in a new family, that things have changed for you on the inside, and you're going to start to see fruit on the outside. So if you're here today, you can just check with the folks at the sound booth or come down front after the service if you'd like to. If you're watching online, just send us a quick uh, direct message or you can click that link and fill out the form that they put up and let us know and we would be glad to get in touch with you. Um, If you're watching online, we're so glad you could join us today. We are meeting in person every Sunday at 1030 here in the Crown Dance Studios at 2820 Door Avenue in Fairfax, Virginia. If you're in the area and you can join us, we would love to worship with you in person. But if you're watching online, we're so glad you could be here um, for everybody in the room.